0: Good morning everyone. It is Sunday morning and <clears throat> the Lord has given me an interesting sermon sermon today. And I know it's interesting because I really it's one of those sermons that I'm not really sure where we're going, I guess, until we'll get there. Um, it's preaching out of the book of Micah, and a book that I've probably only read half a dozen times. Um, and even then uh, when I was reading it, I was seeing things that I'd never seen before. And uh, and God just really just spoke to me in Micah today. Micah is a short book. And, uh, I mean, by the looks of the sermon, it could be a very short sermon, which wouldn't be a bad thing. As long as the Spirit is moving, as long as the Spirit is moving in this room, is moving... Through you, as long as these words are being absorbed into your heart and you're receiving the message that God is giving you, then it can be a minute long. It can be 30 seconds long. It can be a 10-second sentence. That was the word I was looking for. It can be a 10-second sentence. And if God is in it, it will carry you for the rest of your life, even unto eternal life. That's the kind of power that God's words have. That's the power that God represents. When I preach, that's why when I pray almost every week, I pray every week, but when I pray almost every week, I ask God to put the words into my mouth because... Just as he put the words into Jeremiah's mouth. He put the words into Jeremiah's mouth and then the things that the prophet Jeremiah said were of God. <clears throat> so I ask, when I go to preach, that God puts the words in my mouth so that they are of God. Or they are influenced by God and the Spirit is moving through me. So the message that you receive is the message that God Intends for you to get. And I'm not giving a message that isn't of Him. He called me to preach this gospel. He called me to preach this ministry. To preach this word. And so I want to preach what He wants me to preach. What I love, what I love about the Word of God is there can be a thousand people in a place listening to the word being preached by, by a servant of God. And each one of those people can get a different message if God is in those words. If God is moving through the lips of the person, to, of the servant preaching that word, each person can get something different from him. And that that is the essence of God's power and love and will. So, without further ado, I'm going to pray, and then we'll just get started. Before I pray, however, we're going to be in Micah chapter four. <coughs> pardon me. And Micah chapter six, and John chapter one. I know seems uh, seems kind of kind of uh, short for for one of my sermons. Of course, I've said this before, that I thought it was going to be a short one, and it was over an hour, so we shall see. But, again, Micah chapter 4, Micah chapter 6, and John chapter 1. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here together again. Father, thank you for blessing me with this ministry that you have given us. Thank you for calling me to preach your gospel, Lord. Thank you for giving me this platform that I can speak from, that I can speak your words and your will, Lord. Please put the words into my mouth that you want me to speak. Put the words in my heart and help my words that I speak to be influenced by you, by the Spirit of God. Let your spirit move through me into each and every person that hears this message. Whenever they hear it. Whether they hear it sometime today or ten years from now. Let them gain from this message the word that you want them to receive. whether it be a teaching or a commandment or support, or however you want to move, you are God. I submit to you and to your will. So please use me as a tool to send your word out into the world To bring people close to you and closer to you. And thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you do. And I ask and pray these things humbly before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, let's start off in Micah chapter 4, and I'm going to read verse 1 through 7. Micah chapter 4, verse 1-7. through seven. <clears throat> But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now, it's interesting. Before I go any further, Micah was one of the lesser prophets, as as they've been labeled uh In the Bible, there's the, there's the main prophets and there's the lesser prophets. I don't, I don't know who, who made that distinction, but I guess because Micah's, uh, prophesying isn't, you know, more than just a few chapters, but this is, this prophecy is not just for Old times, old Jerusalem, or, 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 uh, or the, the rebuilding of Jerusalem, or, or anything back then. This prophecy applies to now. Or beyond where we are now, into the future. This prophecy by the lesser prophet is deep. It talks of many nations coming to Jerusalem, coming to God's original chosen people, and learning the ways to live and serve. And keep in mind that Jerusalem that's mentioned in the prophecies may not even be the current Jerusalem. It may be the new heaven and the new earth. It may be new Jerusalem. It's still listed as Jerusalem because the new Jerusalem is in fact Jerusalem. It is a reborn Jerusalem. It is literally heaven on earth. So when Jerusalem is mentioned, Mount Zion is mentioned. Depending on the prophecy, it can be talking about the end of the world, past the tribulation, past the wraths of God. I believe that that's exactly what this prophecy is. Now there may be some theologian out there that would disagree, but I'm not speaking from an intellectual that's been to, you know, college and And all that. I'm speaking from a man that received a message from God and now I'm preaching it to you. So let's read verse two. And many nations shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Many nations. And to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths for the law shall go forth of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Verse 3. And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nation shall not lift up a sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore this has yet to happen this is what's coming at some point no longer will the nations across the world fight in wars against each other there will be no more war We will turn our weapons into tools to cultivate the land. And we will learn war no more. This is what's coming. This is a prophecy of, of beyond this place and time. Nations will no longer fight wars against each other, and none of them will even learn how to war anymore. Peace all over the world by the hand of God. Verse 4, But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts, hosts hath spoken. For all people will walk, everyone, in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. So, we, we, believers and followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus Christ, we will follow God. But many others will follow His or her own God. We're coming to a place. In fact, we're already there at that point. At one point, the chosen people were just the Jews and the strangers that lived amongst them. And now, the chosen people are all of those who believe that Jesus came from heaven as God. Came to earth as God in the flesh lived and preached the word that we now preach. the truth. He suffered and died for our sins so that there there was no longer sacrifice that had to be made for sin. He paid that price. And then he resurrected the firstborn of all the born-again Christians, of all the born-again believers that's ever been. He was the firstborn. And after he set his apostles out into the world to spread this glorious word that we now know that I am yet teaching, preaching, he ascended into in heaven. So now the chosen people are all people that serve God. the Holy Trinity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of God Almighty. We are all the chosen. We are all the chosen. For all people will walk everyone in the name of His God. So every other individual in the world that doesn't serve The God, which we will walk in the name of the Lord God forever and ever. The Lord our God. Everyone that is not serving the one true God will be walking in the name of his and her lesser God, which is a false God, which is a devil, or more modern day a demon. There is but one God, the chosen of God. All of us will be serving him, believers and followers of Jesus. And everyone else will be serving their false gods that will lead them to eternal damnation. Verse 6, In that day, saith the Lord, while I assemble her that halteth, And I will gather her that is driven out, and her that I have afflicted. And I will make her that halted a remnant, and her that was cast far off a strong nation. And the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion from henceforth even forever. Her? Her? Who's her? Her is Jerusalem. New Jerusalem. The new heaven. Let me reread that. And I will make New Jerusalem that halted a remnant and New Jerusalem that was cast far off a strong nation. Now, I say new Jerusalem, but initially what he's talking about is the old Jerusalem. I will make her that halted a remnant. The old Jerusalem that halted a remnant. And her that was cast far off a strong nation. The old Jerusalem, he will change into a strong nation. And the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion from henceforth even forever. So he's talking of the old Israel, the old Jewish nation. That he cast off and cast away because they turned away. And then he's talking of the new Jerusalem. Because he's talking of no nation learning war anymore. Turning all of our weapons into tools. Learning war no more. No more nation rising against nation. That last verse, that last verse 7, says a lot. If, if you're reading the scripture before it. If you're not, then you're not getting the whole picture, and that's what I love about God's Word. There was a there was a verse on one of the Verse of the Day apps that uh, me and a friend uh, read, and it 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 said one little one little scripture. It was in Ecclesiastes, and he's like, "What does that even mean?" And I'm like, "Well, by itself, it doesn't really mean anything. It's kind of confusing." I said, "But if you read the scripture before it and behind it, it's made clear." So, what a lot of these Christian cults have done, and a Christian cult does not are not Christians. They have taken parts of God's Word and twisted it to their own will. Twisted it to say something else, and that's the thing. If you take one scripture and read it, you're not always getting what God is saying. If you just take one scripture, so if you just take verse seven and you don't take into into consideration all that was said before, you're not understanding that God is talking about the old and the new and the past and the future. You're not getting that. So sometimes it takes more than one scripture because God's word is amazing. One scripture can be weaponized. That's what the Pharisees tried to do when Jesus was walking across the land preaching. The Pharisees tried to weaponize his words, Jesus' words against him. So they would try to catch him. But Little did they know, they were dealing with someone that was even wiser, far wiser, than Solomon ever dreamed of me. Because Solomon's wisdom, as we established last week, was earthly wisdom. God's wisdom is the wisdom of all creation. Everything before anything. And he knows everything after me, So they thought they were going to catch Jesus in his words. And weaponize one thing that he said just like many of the Christian cults have done. But they failed tremendously. So God is promising That even though we have fallen away from Him, we will be brought back. Even though the remnant is but a remnant of the past, a remnant that failed God, it will be brought back and He will reign among his people forever. We are his people. Now the Jews, when they read this, they didn't know everything that was coming. They didn't know Jesus. So they read it one way. But we now know, after Jesus came, we can read it a different way. We can see the depths of it from what was and what is now. But we still don't know everything. God gave us revelation. Allowed John to write it. But there's still much that's going to happen that we can't predict because only God knows. So all we can do is have faith in him. Let's go to Micah chapter 6. I'm going to read verse 3. And then I'm going to read verse 6 through 8. Verse 3. O my people, what have I done unto thee, and wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. Now I'm going to read verse six through eight. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? Now, what does this mean? God said, chapter uh, verse 3, chapter 6, O my people, what have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. And then Micah is speaking. Will... The Lord be happy with all of these sacrifices and everything that, that you sacrifice, thousands of of uh, of animals and ten thousand deals of oil. Will he be happy with all that? What God is saying in verse three is what did he do to turn people away from him? Did he not keep his covenant? Did Has he not carried Israel? Carried the Jews. He carried them out of Egypt before Egypt even. Before Egypt. God set Israel up. To be set. All the way from Abraham. Joseph. The coat of many colors. Joseph served Egypt. And made Egypt incredibly rich. So rich. And then he brought his family. And over the years, Israel was born of Egypt. And then when Moses came, and God commanded Moses to lead his people out of Egypt, all of the wealth that they came to know, they came to have, came from Egypt. God set Israel up before they were even a nation, before they were even a people. And he kept his promise, he kept his covenant. The only reason they had to wander in the desert for 40 years is because they couldn't keep up their end. We have the darndest time keeping up our end. God keeps His promise. He has kept His covenant. Even when His people have broken their side, He still, after a whole bunch of suffering, would bring them back. The Jews have come back after some some... Many things that no nation would ever come back from, they came back from. Because God keeps his promise. The reason Israel stands now is because God keeps his promise. And all of these sacrifices are not going to do anything for him. These sacrifices were put into place to keep his people right with him. They weren't there to keep him happy. Sacrificing all of these animals was to keep his people right with him because their sin was great. So they would sacrifice animals because the wages of sin is death. So they would sacrifice these lambs and these, these goats. These cattle. So that they would be made right with God. They weren't totally forgiven. And their sin wasn't forgotten. But it kept them in a state of right. But over time, they stopped sacrificing animals for their own sin. And they sacrificed it thinking that it kept God happy. So we can go off and do all the things that we're doing. We can worship all these false gods. We can worship all of these devils. We can even sacrifice our firstborn children into the fire before these devils so that we gain immeasurable wealth. And all we have to do is make sure that we're keeping up our sacrifices to God and he'll be happy. That's basically what they were doing. But that isn't. What the sacrifice was there for, it wasn't there to keep God happy. It was there to keep them right with God. And they got confused because they wanted to live in the depths of their own sin. So what God is saying in verse 3 is, O my people, what have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. What have I done? I have kept up. I have done everything that I said I would do. I have never faltered. I have always taken care of you. I have always done everything I said I was going to do. And then some. And yet, you turn away from me. You turn away and you follow your own evil heart and your own evil desire. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? Or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, For the sin of my soul, Micah, isn't being serious in the sense that he's really meaning the words he's saying. He's saying it in a way that he's like, you're screwed up. This is what you're thinking, and it's wrong. You're thinking that you can do this and it will erase the fact that you have turned away from God. That's what Michael was doing. He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. He said it as a question. But they weren't, they weren't loving mercy, they weren't walking humbly, and they weren't doing justly. They were doing whatever their fleshly heart desired. And the fleshly heart can lead you into the darkest, deepest holes of death. Because if you turn from God and you follow your fleshly heart and you worship idols, And false gods, which are devils. We always use the term demons. I use the term demons a lot. But in reality, they're called devils. They're used, they're explained as devils. We, in a modern sense, have changed the name to demon. They worshipped devils like Moloch and Baal sacrificed their firstborn children, literally putting them in fire so that they could be wealthy and rich. Because that's what demons require. That's what devils require. They require a great cost. But what the people didn't realize is they weren't just losing the initial cost. They were also losing their souls. Because they broke the covenant that God made with them. And he is saying in verse 3, What have I done to cause you to do this? To go this route and turn away from me? I have done everything for you. And you have still turned to your heart's evil desire. And that's where we are at now. God sent Jesus from heaven. To live and die for our sin. And he was resurrected and we are reborn in spirit. We are immortal beings. Our spirit lives on and it is not bound to our flesh. When this body falls, my spirit will go to be in heaven with God Almighty. My spirit is with the Holy Spirit here, in this my tabernacle. And then Jesus ascended to make a way, to make a place for us. As Jesus said, in heaven there are many mansions. He goes to make a way for us. And yet, through all of that, we turn away again. We can read in the Old Testament the many times Jerusalem, God's chosen people, turned away. We ourselves, the chosen of God, know what has been and what will be if we turn away. And many of us have still turned away to our dark fleshly heart's desire. Look at this world. Look at just this country, America. Can you say modern day Sodom and Gomorrah? We are turning away now. And following our fleshly heart's desire into the darkness where there is no end but death. Serve God. Love God. Pursue God. Seek His face. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow God. I know you're like, oh, there he is again with the following. God has laid it on my heart to make us see, to make you see. And if you If you follow God, if you keep his commandments, then share this word with another. Because there's more that don't serve God than do. As Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. The state of this world proves that more are turning away from God than are turning to him. Seek him. Pray without ceasing and seek his face continually. Go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 1 through 5, and then I'm going to read verse 17, and this will be our close. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we all know that the Word is Jesus. And I've actually preached this exact thing before, but I'm going to preach it again. And I imagine before God takes me home, I'll preach it many, many times more to come. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All the things, all things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus, Jesus came. From heaven. So that not just the Jews were God's chosen. In fact, the bulk of the Jewish nation turned away from God. And can't believe within themselves that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus said, If you deny me, I deny you before my Father. So, before Jesus came, worshiping God, all that worshiped God were saved. But after Jesus came, we have to believe not just in God, but we have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And those who do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God are condemned already. As it is written. Jesus even spoke on this. He said, those that believe in the Son of God, that believe that the Son of Man is in fact the Son of God, will be saved. But all of those who don't believe, that I am the Son of God is condemned already. Paraphrasing. even though God did nothing for his people to turn away from him, even though he kept his covenant, even though he kept his promise, and he continues to do so, he still sent Jesus. He loves us that much, loves us that much, that even though he kept all of his promises and then some, he continues to to move in a way that he wants us to live and not die. He brought Jesus out of heaven onto this earth to live and suffer and die and live again so that we live. That is so much love. He said, keep my covenant and I will keep mine with you. And they did not keep their covenant with him. And yet he still continued to keep up his end. Because that's love. And then when he realized that there was no keeping uh, that, that ultimately the entire human race was just going to implode on itself, he sent Jesus. Because he wants heaven with us. Verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. God is good. He is so good. He gave us free will and we have not used it well. This whole world is ultimately falling into the pit. The lake of fire is right there. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Jesus came to save us. Even though God had kept up his promise all along, he had to send Jesus, or this whole world now would be completely gone. Without Jesus coming, there would be no believers. Because the Jews, every one of them turned away from God. And they kept up the sacrifices to keep him appeased. Not because they were serving him, but to keep him appeased. And that's what the prophet Micah was saying. Does God need all of these sacrifices? Does he even want them? Do they keep him happy? No. No. The sacrifices he gave to us, to the Jews, so that they wouldn't die from their sin. But they turned away. Just as we're all turning away now. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for this message that you've given. Please, Lord, let us, as disciples of Jesus, let us share this truth with everyone we know, with everyone we've ever met. Let us share this truth so that many more come to know you, many more gain eternal life in Jesus, through him, through you, Lord. So that when that time comes, that you remake heaven and earth, they too will be amongst those saved. They too will be amongst the heavenly host, praising and glorifying your name. Please let this message carry through many hearts, far beyond anyone that That sees this message now or hears this message. Let this message be carried through many, many people and let all of them come to know and believe that Jesus lives. That Jesus Christ came and brought grace and truth so that we do not have to suffer and die eternally in a lake of fire so that we live with you, with God Almighty forever in New Jerusalem. Please, Lord, open hearts and minds. And thank you, Lord, for this message that you've given. Thank you for giving me the words to speak and moving in spirit through me. I thank you and I praise you, Lord. And I ask and pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I hope everyone has a wonderful day. God bless you.